Welcome into Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining us today. Super excited about Thanksgiving being tomorrow. Who is excited about green bean casserole? Show of hands. Who's excited about the stuffing? Maybe it's the turkey. Maybe it's Aunt so-and-so that you haven't seen in a long time or the cousin that you haven't seen in a long time or maybe it's the uncle that you maybe don't really want to say that you're thankful for whoever it may be super excited happy thanksgiving to you with that i am thankful and grateful for today's guest let me tell you about her right now she is in fact the host of kairos moments she's also a speaker she is so excited to just empower women she's also an author she's a bible teacher in fact she believes get this you ready She believes God has given her a deep understanding into his word with real life practical application. That in itself, we need to pause for a moment and just really think on that. She also believes God has given her this great ability to encourage others through the prophetic. She also is here to empower women to stop playing it safe in their faith. In fact, no, she wants you to go all in on your calling, and she's here to help you get all in on that calling. Because she believes, listen to this, this is so important, she believes this, to boldly begin by bringing their God-given dreams to life. It's time to start believing that, and she's here to help us do that. Who is she, of course? She is, of course, the one, the only, Julie Holmquist. Julie, how are you today? I'm good. Today, there's a blue sky, and I'm glad to be here. Now, see, I've heard... There's always a blue sky in North Carolina. Is that true or has someone lied to me? I would say that's mostly true. There's There are Sundays where it's cloudy, but it's mostly blue. That's why I got to get out there. That's why I got to yeah. get out there. All right. You should. So Julie, getting into your story and your message, before we get to those roads and that traveling down, we got to, of course, know what shoes we're wearing. So Julie, help me with that. What style of shoe do you love to wear? I am usually in flip-flops. Or Adidas sneakers. Ooh, Adidas sneakers. Yes. Help me with that because, you know, we're over the air, so we got to describe and be descriptive. And I know as an author and a writer, you can be descriptive, I hope, right? Yeah, I hope. They are, maybe they're not sneakers, maybe they're tennis shoes. Officially, there is a difference, right? They're just comfortable. That's, but I'm mainly in flip-flops. All right. So flip-flops, we're going to stick with those maybe from the sound of it. That sounds... More Julie style. That sounds more like my style. Flip-flops and sandals. So, so Julie, I've never been to Charlotte. I actually don't even remember being in North Carolina. I was a little wee little baby. 18 months or so old, my family decided to move me, rip me away from my homeland, my home state. My dad, of course, got transferred in the United States Marine Corps, and so therefore, we never really had a home. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, I do have North Carolina on my birth certificate. So if I were to come out to Charlotte, hang out with you and your husband for a day, I'd bring my wife, too, so you guys could hang out, and you and your husband and I could yes. hang out. But if my family were to maybe, even my, I'll bring my daughter this time. We'll just bring her. It'll be fun. She'll be 14. She'll be doing who knows what. But what would you uh, take us around Charlotte and do? Gosh, there's so much. We moved by the Whitewater Center, the U.S. National Whitewater Center. It's where they train for kayaking, I guess, for the, you know, whatever. But it's got the zip lines. It's got the climbing walls. It's got outdoor music and it's got a restaurant, all of that stuff, hiking trails, all of that. And we love it. We love really living close to there. My husband and I are foodies, so we enjoy trying all kinds of different restaurants. We went on a date the other night and we tried Cowfish Restaurant. And what it is, is it's a combination of sushi and hamburgers. I have never heard of this. I am so intrigued right now because I, I love sushi. My wife does it, but I love sushi and I and I do love hamburgers. 
No, these burgers are like made to look like sushi. There's burgers and then they've got the sushi rice. Then they're rolled up in potato strings and they're flash fried. And then they present like sushi. It looks like sushi. And then you put the ketchup and the barbecue on top. And it was just a lot of fun. So I'd take you there. I want to go there now. All of a sudden, I'm hungry. I'm just saying, I'm hungry. So that's good. You See, you did a great job with that. That's fantastic. Well, that's fun. So Julie, getting into your story and getting into, you know, our season, we've been talking about it at length and we will continue till, till the end of the year. I never realized when I started planning this season, how impactful this simple question that I was, was pondering one day on a run. And that was this, are you enough? And I didn't realize that it resonated with so many people. Nobody's really struggled with their their identity or being enough or having stories of feeling like they weren't enough. Do you have anything similar to that in your background and experience of not being enough? And if so, what was that like? I do have stories, multiple stories like that, but I first want to give a caveat that there is the, I'm not enough humility, right? Because Christ is enough in our lives, but then there's the, also the, I'm not enough and God comes to encourage us like, yes, you are. You can do this. My background, I, I got permission to share this from my mom. She, she was very verbally abusive to me when I was a young girl. And that kind of set the stage for wondering if I had what it took to do what God was calling me in my life. So from there, I just, I kind of developed a, like a low self-esteem. I couldn't look at people in the eyes. It was hard for for me to do that. I, I don't think I was consciously aware that I was struggling with that. I just, I always felt like there was something wrong with me. I grew up having a really difficult time seeing my value or worth and harsh words have a way of sticking with us. I can remember 40 years ago, someone saying something about my hair. It was just a simple, stupid comment, but it was a hurtful one. And we always latch on to those negative thoughts, those negative comments. I just grew up with that. When I got saved, I was eight years old when my when I accepted the Lord and my parents got saved at the same time, but I wasn't really discipled or anything. I just kind of went my own way and I lived the party life, drinking and partying and all of that, that that entails. And it was kind of like a way to get rid of that emptiness inside and not feeling enough. When I realized that the Lord truly loved me and that's all that mattered, that's all that mattered. That was the bottom line was when I came back to him after living that life, I came back to him and he still wanted me. He still loved me. He still had a calling on my life, but it was hard for me to get to stand back up and be present to that calling because of my past, right? The shame of my past, people's words, all of that. I even became an intern for Christian ministry. I was already feeling like I was out of my league. This was a pretty big name. And I was, you know, an intern. I was creating graphics for this ministry and we had trainings. And one day I was sitting there trying to listen to one of the trainings as I was getting ready for an event. And it was taking a really long time and I couldn't figure out why. So I finally went and looked at it and I realized that it wasn't a training. It was a conversation that these leaders were having and they were talking about the interns. They didn't realize they had posted that video to Facebook. So I'm hearing them call some of the other interns like, 
dingbat and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, maybe I am not qualified for this. Maybe I'm not cut out to do what I feel like God's calling me to do. And so that just kind of stirred up those feelings of when I was a girl of not being enough, not quite fitting the expectations of people. After I let go of that internship, another internship opportunity came about and I was excited. I was like, oh, this is God's, you know, provision for me. This is, you know, I can let go of the other one. This is how God's going to work. That ministry leader, again, she had lots of promises, but she didn't fulfill some of that stuff. So I constantly had this, this doubt that there's something wrong with me. When when something happens over and over again, you kind of look at the common denominator. And I was that common denominator in those situations. So I was like, there's something wrong with me. I'm not cut out for this. But God doesn't, he didn't let me just sit there in that. He keeps telling me to get up again and get up again. And it's it's been hard because you fight that inner critic in your head. Like I am not enough. I don't have what it takes. I need someone else to walk through this with me. And God has taken all these people, all these situations and stripped them from my life because he wants me to rely on him and not the outside validation from other people. There's so many things that come to mind when I hear you retell that. First off, thank you for getting mom's permission, right? It's always good when that happens. Yeah. Um, I probably need to do more of that when I talk about family members. When I hear you talk and when I hear you share that painful kind of experience and walking back through that, I don't know why two phrases came to my mind and you might remember these. So first one is I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? We know that from childhood perhaps. And then the other one, of course, is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... Words will never hurt me. When you hear those phrases back again, maybe it brings some nostalgia. Do you in your mind feel like those were lies in any way? No, I I remember those phrases. I think the second one, words will never hurt me. I think that's a lie because words have such power in them. I've seen the opposite of when I speak life to someone and I see their entire countenance brighten and they are like, they can, they can live on that one encouragement for like weeks. But the first one as a child, I don't think I had the capability to separate some my mom's words from my reality. As a child, I didn't have the wherewithal, the ability or the power to be able to do that. I didn't know I could do that. As a child, you're thinking your mom is all powerful. She's the one speaking these things and she knows, she knows everything. So it must be true. That's a tough one, right? Because I have encountered so many you know, ladies through doing the show and, and even in my, you know, away from the show, personal life where they do. They rely heavily on mom's words. They rely heavily on dad's words. And when those words are empty, when those words are not fulfilling, when those words aren't life-giving, you know, when they're not speaking life, uh, Toby Mac has a great song, right? Speak life, speak life. Great song. In that, they're supposed to be speaking life into you. And so I'm just wondering if we were going to flip the coin a little bit, if mom had spoken life into your world, into Julie's life, young Julie, going back to maybe seven-year-old Julie. I don't know when it first started, maybe even younger. But if she had gone back and, and somehow spoken life into you, do you think you'd be on a different path right now? Or tell me about that. I don't 
I don't blame my mom for everything. She's not the the source of all of my issues or whatever. I think it probably would have set me on a different path because I can see in my life how I started something and then I quit. And it was just my pattern as a kid, as a young girl, I would start basketball and then I would quit. I started basketball, softball, volleyball. I started piano, guitar, all these things that I should have been able to finish, finish a season and and feel good about it. There was something in me that didn't feel like I was enough. I didn't know how to push through that. So I think it would have set me on a different trajectory early on for sure. Yeah. I, I just wonder about that. And and again, I'm not saying you're blaming mom by any means, but it, I mean, if somehow she could go back and, and get a mulligan and a do-over because my mom says quite often, listen, I did the best I knew how to do. I think your mom would maybe echo that. And I've realized too, through the years that my mom did the very best that she knew how. She did not have a dad growing up. You know, he, he dies early on in, in her childhood. She doesn't even meet him really, you know, and, and her mom was absent. You know, she was a widow in a lot of respects. And so, yeah, I mean, I think our parents would do it all over again. I know you're a parent too, right? I mean, there's probably moments when you, your kids are going to come back to you and go, listen, I did the best I knew how to do. And they're going to be like, mom, you should have, whatever. You could have, whatever. I'm curious about what you think about this. This comes out of Proverbs 18:21, by the way. So a little Bible verse for you. So it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. When you hear that, what comes to mind? The tongue in terms of my mouth, right? I will eat the fruit of my words. You know, like we were just saying that parents, and I know I'm expecting my boys to come back. Well, I don't know. Maybe boys don't do that. Come back to their moms and say, you you know, you did this or whatever. I have all boys. I, I have been intentional and purposeful to kind of flip the script on some of what I grew up with. My mom was a screamer. And so I started out being a screamer. I screamed at my kids all the time. And occasionally I still do. I will go to them and I will apologize. And I will not include the word, but with that apology, like, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have done this, 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 and this. I will say you didn't deserve that because I want them to know that even though they misbehave, they didn't deserve that kind of treatment. I have to look at it in terms of my mouth, not necessarily what, you know, what my mom spoke over me. I, yeah, I did reap some fruit from that. I think it's more of a, in terms of what I'm sowing. Yeah, absolutely. I, and again, I think it just goes back to the power of someone's words. It just goes back to the idea of what are you planting into your life? And and again, I think it's great to say, and, and maybe it's, again, it's the second time we're saying it, but sometimes repetition helps speaking life into someone's someone's life. So on that same kind of thread and that same kind of line, I, I wanted to share this with you too and, and get some thoughts on it. It says, one kind word can change someone's entire day. Is that a true statement? And if so, how is that true in your life? And if it's not a true statement, maybe how is that false in your life? I believe it is 100% true. I've been on the receiving end of that kind word. Like I have a special needs son. He's 19 now. He has autism and is mentally handicapped and he had some behaviors. He still does when he's upset or whatever. Uh, he's scratched. He's kicked. He's pulled hair. You know, I love him. During some of his meltdowns, I have had other moms out in public judge me, look at me like if he was my kid, this is what I would have done. But then I've also had other moms come up, strangers, and rub my back, tell me I'm doing a good job, ask me if there's anything they can do to help me. And those 
I, I have vivid memories of those women because it's like, okay, I'm not alone. They see me, they see I am doing my best. And I just, I, there's probably been like three or four women in my past that have done that. And it's been amazing. It, it kind of fuels me to keep going because it's hard having a special needs child. I call him my wild child. He's unpredictable. Sometimes when someone speaks life over me in that way, it gives me fuel to keep going. So that's something I think most people can't understand. They can't, unless they, unless they're in it. I mean, we, we say so often on this show, right? Unless they're in your shoes, they really don't know that perspective on life. They just don't. Can you think of maybe a moment during your time with your son, the the special needs son specifically, where you just lost it? And again, like you're talking about somebody coming along that you didn't know, or maybe the flip side of that, where you've gotten those looks. And, and if so, maybe talk, talk about that painful moment of somebody maybe having that judgment over you or sitting on the seat of judgment, as I say so often. What, what did that experience feel like for you? Um, well, I've had family members who didn't get it, that we needed help. And that was very painful because family is a big deal, right? Just because my son has different needs than the other kids doesn't make him less. Then those painful memories, I remember losing it. See, I've lost it before, but I've been surrounded by support. My husband is a wonderful man. He, you know, he'll tell me, go do something by yourself, get recharged. Or one of my really good friends, she would take Andrew for, you know, to babysit him or whatever. So whenever I was in a bad place, I always had someone to fall back on. That's fantastic to have that support system. Why do you think that's so important specifically for for moms and and maybe even specifically for you? Because I've heard people say, listen, I don't need anybody. I'm an island. I, I, I don't need it. I'm good. I don't need all the other drama. I can walk through this life. By myself, I myself, when I hear those statements, I think you're a big fat liar. And I would say that to somebody gently, of course. But I do. I think people are lying when they say that they can walk through this life without any help, without a support system, without a community around them. I I think that's just ludicrous, crazy. Am, Am I wrong in that or maybe speak to that as well? Well, first of all, it takes a lot for someone to ask for help. With having a special needs child, you don't even know what you need sometimes because If someone came up to me and said, I would like to take your son for a couple hours, I'm like, you know, back in the day, I'd be like, you don't know what you're getting into. Thank you, but you don't know what you're asking. And I also had a hesitation asking someone for help because it would hurt to hear no. Just to avoid that pain, I would avoid asking for help. That was not a good place to be in because then then I start getting resentful of this gift that God gave me. And we, we were actually in a church when Andrew was like around three or so. And when he first started getting his diagnoses, they asked us not to come back because he was pulling kids' hair in the classroom. He was pulling their hair because he was nonverbal at the time. And he, he wanted to be a part of what was going on, but everyone was just moving so fast and talking so fast, but that's how he acted out. So we were asked not to come back, but we had a family friend step up and say, no, you know, he needs to be here. And so I'm going to shadow him while he's here. I'll come every week and I'll be in this classroom with him. So see, we were in a, a hurtful place. Someone stepped in and same with like the Awana. They said he shouldn't come to Awana because he was nonverbal and he wouldn't be able to write, recite his scriptures to get the prizes. I about came unglued. I was like, he's three. 
the scriptures that you're learning at three is God is love and I will teach him sign language. And it's not about those trinkets. It's about getting the word of God inside of his heart. So that, those were some of the painful moments. But in those, in those moments as you're walking back through those, right? I hear again, people speaking into your life going back to that verse, I don't think in those moments they're speaking life, by the way. I think they're speaking death almost over your son, a judgment, a death, a sentence saying like, listen, too much for us, too much. No, no, we can't, no, mm -mm, not going to happen here. Hashtag you need to go. Well, and I was thinking, okay, the church is rejecting us. Where else can we go? Where else are we going to find community and support? Again, I go back to that because the people that I know who have said to me through the years or who I've interacted with who have said, yeah, I don't need anybody. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm all right. But again, if that gentleman doesn't step forward and say, listen, no, I'm going to shadow Andrew. I'm going to be right there with him. I mean, where, where do you think life would have taken you guys? Well, I want to say the people who are saying they are islands and they don't need help, they are lying, Neil, and they might be afraid of hearing no because they might be afraid of risking hearing that no. And so I would encourage other people to just do something, do something, anything to show that you care about them and you love them and you support them instead of waiting for them to tell you what they need. We cannot do this life on our own. There's just no way, even if I didn't have a special needs child. I just, there's just no way I could do life on my own. My right around that same time, my in-laws were getting a divorce and they were very involved grandparents. My father-in-law came out of the closet. And so we were navigating that in the midst of all of Andrew's issues. So it's, it's just like, you cannot, life is too hard to do it on our own. And that's, that's why we need the body of Christ to be more involved with one another's lives, not just on Sunday mornings. Yeah. You know, I think I would be remiss if, if we didn't, we didn't broach this subject, you know, tomorrow being Thanksgiving tomorrow is typically the day in the United States. I have to say that now because so many people are, well, people are in listening internationally. So tomorrow is, is Thanksgiving here in the United States. And so for me, Thanksgiving is always stressful. It's not stressful because, you know, my wife's cooking all day and, and I'm doing nothing and watching football. That's not why Thanksgiving for me has typically been stressful. When I was a kid, Thanksgiving was hard because our family would come together at the proverbial, you know, table. It's fun, but it wasn't. It was stressful. It was tense. It was conversations were awkward and weird because we'd been so mean to each other prior to Thanksgiving. And then somehow we come to this magical table. I say magical because supposedly everything was set aside and everybody was good. And then we'd have to go around and share what we were grateful for. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like all of a sudden now we're going to be grateful. Like all of a sudden now we're going to speak life into someone's heart and life and I mean, it was such a struggle to come up with what I was grateful for as a kid. But I'm imagining like if you could get some of the people in your life, you know, at this table, maybe it's a big table like Audio Adrenaline used to talk about back in the day, right? Big, big table. Yeah, that's a good song, right? Big, big house, big, big table. Lots and lots of food, cranberries, whatever it may be. But if you could get those naysayers around your table this Thanksgiving and the people who maybe have had some judgment over you and the way you've parented Andrew and maybe even your husband, the way he's parented Andrew, we'll, we'll not leave him out of that because he is an amazing guy, as you said. But what would you say to those, those people in that moment? if you could speak life into them in that moment. I guess I would just share that the foundation is we're family and 
whenever I've had issues with any family member, my sister right below me, we used to have issues. We always said getting to the other side, going through that awkwardness and going on to the other side is worth it. No matter how awkward, no matter how tense, as long as we got to the other side and we did, we were able to do that. We were able to get to the other side and appreciate one another even more than we had before the issues. So I would just say the foundation is, I would tell them the foundation is family. I love you. I'm here for you. And you are worth getting to the other side. Yeah, I I think that's such a powerful statement. But I'm going to push on that a little bit, Julie, because we're friends, I feel like, right? Friends can kind of push a little bit, right? Friendly friendly push, not a mean push, not a push you down on the playground push, but maybe a nice, maybe like a gentle shove. But I hear that, and and I'm going to be, like I said, a little little push here. Here's my question. When I hear you talking about your growing up, and I hear you talking about your mom, and again, we're not bashing mom. That's that's not my intention here. So in case mom hears this, mom, we don't know each other, but I'm not bashing. Or even ladies in the church when you were at the, the intern and they were talking about how bad the interns were. I was an intern, so I kind of take offense to that too, by the way. In that, I'm wondering, has Julie ever really truly struggled with being enough, feeling like she's had enough encouragement, that she's had enough people pouring into her life? Because I still feel like that is still a struggle for you on some levels. There's still that proverbial shadow behind you that won't let it go. Why is that? Okay, Neil, I received the little push that you just did. <laughs> yes, digging deeper. I, I I understand your question now. What would I tell those people at my Thanksgiving table? I would tell them that I was doing my very best at that moment in my life. There were other circumstances going on. I deserve better than what they gave me. And that shadow that you're talking about I have had that forever and I still have that. To this day, I am writing three books right now. It's a series. The first one was on our identity in Christ because in my ministry, in my calling, I had a bunch of starts and stops, just like I did when I was a little girl, like I was sharing starts and stops. And God told me it's because my identity was not firmly rooted in him. I wasn't abiding with him. And what I mean by that is God would give me an idea and I would run with it. I wouldn't sit with him to get strengthened, to get empowered. Because when you step out in your calling, and I don't know if you know this experience, Neil, when you step out in your calling, the enemy hates that. He doesn't want you building other people up or sharing the love of God with other people. And it's like all hell breaks loose. He will attempt to make us sit down and shut up. I have to shut that voice out of my head all the time. This could get intense. Okay. I'm here for it. All right. So here we go. I struggle with, I deserve, I demand, I need, I want, especially the I deserve. Okay. That's a tough one for me. So when I hear you say, I deserve better, now now it's a full-blown shove. Okay. Full-blown shove. Why do you deserve better? I deserve better treatment in that I don't believe those people, they didn't have integrity. I have an issue with someone. I'm not afraid of conflict. I will go to that person and I will talk to them, but I won't, I won't talk behind their backs. I may talk to my husband a lot about it, but I'm not going to talk behind their backs and bash them. So that's what I mean by I deserve. I deserve better in the sense of I expected more out of them because they were a Christian ministry. So that's what I mean by I deserve better. 
Because I, I, I think on some level, we all do deserve a level of respect, right? We all deserve a level of empathy. We all deserve a level of mercy. We all deserve a level of encouragement. I think we do. I struggle with the I deserve, and I maybe I guess I just was misunderstanding your deserve, right? Like somehow like you're owed, they're owed that to you, but kind of in a sense, they're a little bit, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, I think when you're in a relationship with someone, especially a leader and a intern or whatever, I'm there to learn. If I'm doing something that's not correct or I should be doing it a certain way, then approach me. And they were, they were kind of upset that I was asking so many questions and that's how I learn. We were in a relationship. So a relationship kind of, you kind of have that expectation that if I'm doing something that's not correct, then tell me just like a boss and a, an employee, wouldn't you hate to be fired when you don't even know what you did wrong? Okay. I, I'll say this. I'm not like a feminist. Like I deserve every, yeah, I deserve nothing but the best and all of that. That's, that's not what I meant. I meant I'm in a relationship with you. I, I deserve better, better. You know, if you have an issue with me, talk to me, don't be talking behind my back. I, and I think that's solid advice, right? Because again, I think when we find out that someone has talked behind our back or spoke negatively about us, we owe it to them as, I mean, they're not, in my mind, they're not following scripture, right? I mean, Matthew 18 talks about that. You know, if you have an offense, go to them, go to them alone, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, I also want to say that we have, we, we spent multiple meetings talking about this. And so we came to some resolution and we're good now. I realized some of my faults in that conversation, but I wouldn't have realized them had we not had that conversation. I could I couldn't change unless they approached me and told me this is what you're doing that needs to change. I wouldn't have known. And so that's where getting to the other side is always worth it. No matter, it was very awkward. There were tears. There was, you know, all of this stuff, but it was worth getting to the other side. Yeah. And I think that also shows the depth of a relationship, right? Is this person, to your point, is this person worth going to the other side with? Yeah, I valued, valued their opinion and I valued their input. But I'm wondering about this for you personally. Is Julie enough to be encouraged? Is Julie enough to really have life spoken into her? Is she enough for that? Jesus makes me enough. I'm not worthy on my own, but he makes me worthy. There's a difference between false humility, which is in essence pride, like groveling and I'm just nobody and and I have nothing to offer and I'm, you know, just whatever, all that. And then there's the real humility that recognizes and honors what God's done in our lives. And I refuse to be the first, the latter. I'm not going to, I'm not going to grovel. I'm not going to apologize for who I am. And you know, all of that, I will learn and grow like the rest of us. God has already said I'm enough because of him. But do you truly believe that? I would say God's done a work in my heart and yes. Now there are situations that kind of shake me and I, I kind of have to go through that process. Like I said, those workbooks I'm creating, it, it's not just a one and done it's for the woman, the creative, the woman who's feel called, who feels called to something and she struggles with this, the same thing we're talking about. And it's something that she'll have to go through again and again and again, because I don't think on this side of heaven, we will fully know. I mean, do you, Neil, do you think someone can fully never struggle with that ever again? Wait a second. I'm, I'm the host. I can't. Okay. I can't. <laughs> 
no, I, I Julie's also a host, so that's fun. Second time that's happened, by the way. People try to flip the script on me. Nope, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I hear you on that. I really think, I don't think there is a way that I have found that on some level you're not always going to have, you know, Paul talks about the proverbial thorn in, in your flesh, that thing that always kind of sticks with you that never seems to go away. I think I have it beat at times, and then I open the door to leave, and it's like, no, no. Don't forget this. And so I, I do think that there there is some level where you can get comfortable with it, but I don't I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough question. I think if we walk in humility, it's not something that's going to totally derail us. That's the challenge, really, is to truly walk in humility and to walk in in the in the idea that each day I'm surrendering more and more and more and more. You know, I'm unloading the proverbial backpack. Like, okay, here's this. Okay. I forgot to give you this yesterday. Here's this. Or I gave it to you and I'm taking it back. Yeah, I try not to take it back. No backsies. <laughs> Going back to, you know, y- younger years. But Julie, that's awesome. So I know you're not a big sports fan. No. You told me that at the onset in the green room. You and your husband are not sports fans. You brought up the Nebraska Cornhuskers, which is kind of embarrassing for me because I'm like, Nobody, nobody likes them. <laughs> People in Nebraska might, but I'm curious about this. Being in Charlotte, have you driven past Spectrum Center, the Spectrum Center? Do you know, do you know where that is in Charlotte? Actually, I don't. Sorry. Okay. I've driven by the Panther Stadium. Is that what you're talking about? The Panther Stadium. You've, you've driven past that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I would love to, I would love to go in there and watch a Panthers game. Actually, I'm not a big football person, but I think it would be so fun. Wow. Okay. The Panthers Stadium. Is that Bank of America Stadium by chance? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just Googled it. So, okay. So better. Cool. So you've seen that stadium. That looks pretty impressive. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's huge. And it's, it's right off like when you're on the interstate and it's just, it's right there. It's, it's really cool. So picture this for a second. If you somehow got into that stadium, by the way, the seating capacity, in case you're wondering, is 74,867 seats. So a few people. Yeah. Nothing like Nebraska. It's a little <laughs> bit bigger. In football, they have this thing called the 50-yard line. Are you familiar with that, at least? Help me with that. Okay, tell me. Tell me more. <laughs> wow. Okay, so the 50-yard line is the center of the field. Oh, yeah, Typically, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Typically there's a logo out there. So let's pretend we create this event for you. We got our friend Mary Snyder involved, you know, cause she's a big speaker coach. And so we'll just give Mary a little shout out right now. Mary and I create this event together and we put the podcast artwork for your show 50 yard line. Mm-hmm. And I give you this microphone to speak into. And I say to you, Julie, you have your moment. Here's your moment. Cause your show is all about moments, right? Right. This is your moment. You got women from all walks of life. You got them from middle school till like, let's say 70 years old. What are you going to say to those ladies in that moment? I'm going to tell them that they don't need to look for their purpose because their purpose is already established. It's something that's fixed. It is a relationship, an intimate relationship with their creator. Out of that relationship will flow their calling and that no matter how insignificant they feel, God has given them gifts, skills, and talents, and all of that, that we are missing out on unless they start putting some action behind those things. And I would I would just encourage them that God has a call on their life and they, they have something to offer that's worthwhile, whether they see it or not. Yeah, see, I think the, the challenge with that, and first off, that's amazing. 
that people need that reminder. Not only ladies, but I think men men do as well. I'm raising my hand to that. I, I would I would say I need that as well. But in that, I mean, think about it from your own self personally. How many times does your cell phone actually ring in a day? Have you ever like stopped and like counted how many times it rings? No, I haven't. Okay. It, does it ring a lot? I wouldn't say a lot. No. Yeah. Because it seems like nowadays the only time my phone rings is that my car warranty is about to expire right or my apple id has been somehow compromised my social security there's a warrant out for my arrest because my social security has been compromised as well yeah i mean these are all the calls i typically get yeah and apple's really good so i'm gonna get a little shout out to apple i use their products I'm not endorsed by them, but hey, if they want to send me cool stuff like a new iPhone, I'm fine with that. In that, I, I bring this up because I think so many times when I look down, Apple's really good, like I said, spam call, telemarketer. What if for some reason God somehow came across because Apple doesn't know it, they don't know his number, and it somehow came across as like a telemarketer call or a spam call, and we're like, Ugh. or maybe it's they, they get really tricky now. They call It's called spoofing, right? They'll spoof the number. So it looks like it's from your area code. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably seen a few of those sometimes. And then you get on and it's like Janice who wants to say the extended warranty. And you're like, Janice, how did you get through? Well, because she had a local number. That's how Janice got through. In that, the reason why I'm asking is like, for whatever reason, let's just pretend for a second, use our imagination here, that you look down one day and you look at your phone and you don't recognize the number and you answer it and it is God on the other end. And he says, Julie, I have so much for you. I have so much for you. I want to meet with you. I want to get just intimate with you. I want to share my whole seven-step plan. Maybe it's eight. I don't know. Eight seems cool. Seven sounds Seven's cool, but... the perfect number, though. It's God's number, yeah. I like eight even. I'm an even number guy. But anyway, <laughs> seven-step process of, of how I want you to live the rest of your life. First off, would you believe that caller, and would you go meet with that caller? Neil, this is so out in left field. I don't. I would, <laughs> no, I wouldn't accept that call. And no, I wouldn't think that God has a seven step plan. First of all, because our calling, our calling changes all the time, depending on the season of life we're in, depending on, you know, your capacity to do something. So no, I wouldn't meet with them, meet with that person on the other line. I, I bring that up on purpose. It may feel like left field, but I think that's what I'm kind of trying to full circle here is I think so many times we start out with this plan for our life. Maybe you start out with this plan for your life and you walk these roads and you're like, listen, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not uh -huh. getting anywhere. Okay, I'm going to ditch that plan. I'm going to go to this. Okay, I'm going to try this. This is going to work this time. I know it. It's going to work. It's it's ordained, whatever. And he's like, listen, the whole time I had this plan for you, but you didn't stop long enough for me to tell you what I have for you. Do you think that's a, a, a struggle that others could get into and maybe you yourself have gotten into? Oh, yeah. That's why this next book I'm writing is called Known Intimacy with God, because he will he will share his heart with us. And it, as long as we're staying in step with his spirit, our calling is just to be obedient to what he tells us every day. It's not always some big grandiose, you're going to speak to millions of people. It's when God says, share, share with your neighbor about who I am in your life, then being willing to do that, going over and talking to a stranger and telling them, this is what I'm saying to them, then we'll do that. That's our calling. We do start off with our own ideas, but God kind of, it's never a straight line. It's twists and turns. Some of the things that I shared earlier have helped shape who I am and how I minister to people because I can see when someone's struggling with the same thing, someone who has a call of God on their life 
and they're backing out because of fear or it gets hard, they start questioning their ability to hear God or if God even called them to that. And so my heart is to encourage them that even though it's hard, even though you have this inner critic, you got to push through because it's on the other side. There's power in that for sure. So Julie, how can people reach out to you if they're hearing you right now and, and things are just, they're swirling? like a tornado they have those in nebraska oh my gosh yes they do okay all right just checking i thought they did i was always outside looking for them too i wasn't in my basement yeah (laughs) i remember the movie twister i feel like they were in nebraska maybe during twister so things swirling things just percolating you know coffee you know maker going on in their head right now like man what she's saying i i needed to hear more of i want to know more about so julie how can folks reach out to you my website is stuff of heaven Com. It is my husband and I are like rebuilding it a little bit, tweaking some things. They can sign up to be on the email list to be notified of when events happen. Next month, I will be I'm hosting an event at my church called Untangling the Lies Women Believe and Finding freedom in the truth they can they can find out more about that and so stuffofheaven.com and then the podcast is kairos moments and that's just where i talk about specific moments he wants to empower women to not just resign themselves to doing nothing like they have value in the kingdom awesome thanks so much for that julie so yeah last thought goes to you and then uh, and then we'll We'll just have a final thing. So what would you say in this moment? Well, I just want to say thank you, Neil, for pushing. You are a good, good podcast host. You you don't take everything as face value. That's really good. I just, I just want to thank you for being here. Well, I want to thank you for being here. So I want to leave everyone with just a simple thought myself as, uh, as we wrap up today. First off, I think Julie has an amazing message. She's an amazing mom. She's an amazing human being. But I think she has something that we all have struggled with on some level. And that is the word encouragement. I don't know about anybody else. I love to encourage people. Absolutely love it. Like get up every day. Like who can I encourage today? But I'm wondering about you. Are you the same way as me or are we wearing a different pair of shoes? Are you not the encourager? Because I want to challenge you with just a quote. And that's this is you can change the course of your life with your words. Let me read that back to you again. You can change the course of your life with your words. So how are your words today? I know we hear that all this self-talk and self-encouragement and stuff like that, but seriously, are you going out and doing it to someone else? Are you encouraging them? Because if you're not, can I just ask the silly question, why not? Why not? Think about that this week as we wrap up. And if you are encouraging people, let me know how you're doing it. Because I love to hear creative ways of how people are getting encouraged or how they are encouraging others around them. If you can, let me know. OPSpodcast.com great way to do that. You can, of course, leave a message there, either a voicemail message, or you can even write something out. We love that too. Or you can let us know on social media. We, of course, would love to hear that. Of course, at OPS Podcast Show under our social medias. And just remember this as we wrap up again. Remember, do not ever forget this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving and stay tuned till next week. We're going to hit Christmas. Here we come. Stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.